Karma, this word means action. Every time you act, there will be a equal and opposite reaction. You must, you will be held accountable and must experience the fruits of all action. Much of our own unhappiness is the result of choices that we have made and actions that we have taken or how we have cho chosen to react to things that come to us almost uninvited. From the ancient Vedic teachings and also in Buddhism and many other the Dharmic um, spiritual teachings, the big bummer about karma is that it binds you to the material world. All of the uh, dharmic traditions accept that reincarnation or transmigration of the soul is a reality. And while a person is engaging in material activity and cultivating material desire, whether you like it or not, you'll be forced to take birth again and again and again. And that was considered very unfortunate. Not, not a good move at all. So then the big question became, well, how do we avoid karmic reaction? How do we avoid being bound to this world? And when we talk about karmic reaction, it can be good or it can be bad, considered desirable or considered undesirable. And the point of view of the transcendentalist, all of it was undesirable. And so one of the paths that was laid open for people was the engagement in what was called karma yoga, which fundamentally had to do with finding a higher purpose in life than just myself. That it's not really all just about me and what I want and what I want to do and what I want to experience that I should develop a broader vision and I should be a little bit more focused on what I can give rather than just what I can take. And that giving is manifest as karma yoga, where one acts in a mood of service, service to the supreme and service to other living beings. And once we begin to go down this path, even if you choose not, you say, okay, I don't believe in, in karma. I don't believe in all this stuff. That's okay. You can, that's your, your choice. You can believe or not believe whatever you wish. But if you do take up this prescription, it will actually make your life better. Your life will automate. It's scientifically proven that when you act more selflessly, when you are more kind, when you are more compassionate, when you seek to do good for others, you will automatically begin to feel a greater sense of purpose. Your heart will become lighter. 
your mind will be less distressed, you will actually become a much, not just a little bit, a much happier person by heading down this, this pathway. So today I'm going to just talk about the, the full um, meaning of transcending karma, how to live a life where we don't engage in any work that brings a good or bad result that binds us to this world. Um, in, in ancient times, the practice of, of what's known as Ashtanga Yoga. Ashtanga Yoga is not a type of Hatha Yoga. Ashtanga Yoga was a whole lifestyle and a commitment to a path of actual mysticism where one manifests tremendous restraint and completely withdrew from the world and did not engage in any unnecessary activity, lived an incredibly frugal and humble life, ate very little, and spent their time in deep meditative practices. And of course, the idea of committing oneself to that form of lifestyle to try and transcend, to rise above karma. It's like, oh my God, that's mission impossible for the vast majority of people. We shouldn't fool ourselves about how difficult it is. It's incredibly difficult. So, and even if you do that, there is no guarantee that you will be able to actually transcend karma. So I'm going to read a bunch of, of verses from the Bhagavad Gita. But of course, there are so many yogic texts, Vedic texts that speak on the subject, but the, the Bhagavad Gita is very concise and, and there's quite a concentration of, of um, instruction about this. So speaking to the person who seeks to avoid all activity to try and escape the results of karma, says one who restrains the senses of action, but whose mind dwells on sense objects, certainly deludes themselves and is called a pretender. On the other hand, if a sincere person tries to control the active senses by the mind, and begins karma yoga without attachment, he is by far superior. So this statement is that a person living in the world and participating in the world, but in the spirit of karma yoga, where one tries to involve their entire life, everything that they're doing, their relationships, their work, everything, in a focus of, of karma yoga, is considered in a better position than one who has gone off to live in a cave and is living an incredibly austere life, but who, and even though they've restrained their senses, they're not actively engaged, their mind is still dwelling on, on material ideas and desires. So then it goes on to state that work done as a sacrifice for the Supreme Soul 
has to be performed. Otherwise, work causes bondage in the material world. Therefore, O son of Kunti, perform your prescribed duties for his satisfaction, and in that way, you will always remain free from bondage. So here, they're pointing out that it is possible to actually live in the world, but not really be of the world. And so what does that take? What's, what's that going to um, entail? Um, there are later verses that state, one who, is, who neither hates nor desires the fruits of his activities is known to be always renounced. And such a person, free from all dualities, easily overcomes material bondage and is completely liberated, O mighty-armed Arjuna. Uh, you know, many people, they develop kind of sentimental or f- ideas of what saintliness is. And a lot of it is often driven by sort of quite superficial or external things. This process of karma yoga, which grows in intensity, as it grows in intensity, transforms into a life of profound devotion. A person can live and follow this process and become an actual transcendentalist. But to a common person, they may not even be able to recognize the elevated spiritual position of of such a a person. Um, You know, this Brian Adams song, Everything I Do, right? You remember that one or not? I hope I don't have to sing it. (laughs) I mean, that was... When that came out, that became a massive hit all over the world. In 17 countries, it became the number one hit song. And everybody was singing it, everybody was playing it, everybody was into it. Every move you make, as it goes on, And it basically comes to the refrain, everything I do, I do it for you. Why were people drawn or attracted to this song? What was the message that touched people's hearts and made it so that they really wanted to hear this? What was the message that really inspired people and and lit up their life for a few moments when they heard it. What was it? What's what's been promoted? Huh? I got love and I got service. Yeah. I mean, it was a very ideal form of love that was being spoken of. An ideal 
that is actually aspirational. People aspire, they wish that they could experience such a love. It's not just, you know, when, when he's saying everything I do, I do it for you. A person hearing that and thinking, oh, if only somebody would relate to me like that. It's not really that somebody is desiring, oh, I wish somebody would become my slave and, you know, wait on me hand and foot and, and be my little object of desire that I can exploit any time I want. No, it's, that's too gross. That's crass. It's the idea that I can be so loved. The desire that I, I can be so loved. But at the same time, when we hear the message, the idea that somebody can be so devoted, so utterly devoted to someone, that they live for that person that their only desire is to please that person. Their only wish is to see that person happy, to do everything that they can for them, to dedicate one's whole life. So we're in a bit of a, we're in a bit of a tough situation. People have really veered away from religion and religious sentiment. But at the same time, they have this, what's actually a spiritual idea that draws everyone. And if somebody sings about these ideas, they become multimillionaires. Everybody throws money at them and everybody listens to it and they, they snuggle up and, you know, oh, it's so nice. <laughs> And actually, this is the key. This is the key to transcending karma, to rising above material existence, is to be able to live a life of profound and humble devotion and dedication to grow in this mood of humble service, of great kindness, of tremendous compassion. This is the yoga process that offers one the highest possible spiritual experience. If one wants to actually come to be fully self-realized, I must come to realize my essence, the very nature of the soul or myself. I must come to know my eternal position, where I fit in relation to other living beings. And if there is a supreme being where I fit in relation to that and in relation to the material world. I mean, it's so crazy 
We're born into this life with nothing. And we spend all our life trying so hard to accumulate and gather things to us and to build a safe place where I'm protected and I got my stuff, only to have it all ripped away from you involuntarily by force. Everything is removed. And it's like, why do we, and from the Vedic perspective, it's like lifetime after lifetime, you do the same thing over and over and over again, seeking happiness, seeking shelter, seeking love, seeking protection, always in the wrong place. If I want to come to realize my essence, my position, and what is my natural function, what is the natural expression of the transcendent being residing within each body, you and I, what is the most natural, what is our natural function? Our natural function is to love, to love the Supreme Soul. That is the natural function. And if one is able to take up this path of karma yoga, and it grows and develops into the highest mature state of complete spiritual devotion, one is able to experience in this lifetime the most thrilling and ecstatic transcendental experiences that are more wonderful than anything. You can't, you can't even conceive of what that is like. There is nothing, no experience in this world that can compare to the unlimited happiness, the overflowing of great and transcendental love that becomes possible. And when one learns to live this way, this becomes the focus of our life. One is able to live within this world and carry out activities. But because there is a higher purpose for my life and why I am doing everything, everything is done as an offering. Everything I do, I do it for you. I do it for the Supreme Soul. The Bhagavad Gita contains this message. This is the actual conclusion. And it is a path of the most extraordinary and wonderful of all yogic practices and experience. So, the instruction is given that if one offers me with love and devotion even a leaf or a flower or fruit or water, I will accept it. O son of Kunti, all that you do, all that you eat, 
and all that you offer and give away, as well as all austerities that you may perform, everything should be done as an offering unto me. And in this way you will be freed from the bondage to work and its auspicious or inauspicious results. With your mind fixed on me in this principle of renunciation, you will be liberated and come to me. So you, there's like two possibilities of transcending karma from the yogic perspective. This is, this is your choice. You either engage in karmic activity, fruit of work, and become bound by the results, good and bad, lifetime after lifetime, or you come to the point of not engaging any, any karmic activity. And if you choose that, then you've only got two choices. One is to live a life of tremendous renunciation, full absorption in meditative practices, a life of tremendous holiness. Or you can choose the path of karma yoga. That's the options. I don't know how um, that sits with people. Some people just like, whoa, you mean that's it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and people just have these, you know, um, materialistic ideas that if I choose this path, if I go down this thing, then it's just going to be like a life of, of emptiness and austerity and not being able to do all the stuff I want and everything. No, it's, it's nothing like that. The spiritual path is a path of, of unlimited happiness. These instructions are given, and, and I'm speaking to you quite directly about these subjects, because it is in your interest if you want to taste true and limitless transcendental love and happiness, Ananda, then this is the only way. This is the only way. One must take to the spiritual path. One must engage in the spiritual process. One must adopt a life of great spiritual purpose. Okay? Was that a bit full on or what? Oh, it's okay. That's the reality. You know, it's unfortunate that, and one of the things we read, you know, last week was how in, in the modern world, you know, we've been led unfortunately, down some pretty dark alleyways. I mean, there's this new report out that in the last 10, 10 years, no less, seven years, the rise in the, in the Western world, the rise in suicide amongst young people has gone up like 57%. It's just this massive jump. Where... where Consuming, they've estimated that between 2007 and 2017, 10 years, 
the cost of mental health in in the world is $16 trillion has been spent on mind-altering substances and consultation with mental health so-called experts. And everything's just getting more crappy. (laughs) It's just increasing. And it's just like so sad. It's just like so sad. There is a need for us to be incredibly realistic and to be to be quite um, critical of of what it is that we take on board. And if I have it here, yeah, from that website I I mentioned from these UK professionals, sociologists and psychologists, you know, they stated four fundamental realities. And one of them was, Self-centered individualism is not the route to happiness. Self-centered individualism is not the route to happiness. Helping others is, of course, good for their happiness, but it also makes us ourselves happier and healthier. Giving connects us together, provides us with a sense of meaning and makes us more accepting of ourselves and others. You know, these are just fundamental scientific truths. But unfortunately, the overwhelming messaging that we're getting through advertising and through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and WhatsApp, it's just, this this is the messaging. Self-centered individualism. It's all about taking. It's not about giving. It is our spiritual nature to be a giver and not a taker. And that is why when we align our life, even with some of the very simple fundamental practices associated with karma yoga, we feel so much better. We feel so much better. Everything becomes better. And that is only a tiny drop of a vast ocean of happiness that is available to you and to I, to everyone. Okay? That's it. Thank you very much.